0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is the Leafs combo. I'm Norm, along with Mike. It is Sunday, July 18, 2021. We're a few days out from the next expansion draft, the Seattle Kraken at the center of it all, and they're looking to find some gems in the expansion pick'em, if you um, want to put it that way. It's going to be big for them and big for all the teams involved, leaving a lot of players who are vital to those organizations unprotected just because they have to let's focus on the toronto maple leafs mr uh,
1: jello good morning good morning norm um yeah the it's starting to sneak out the uh the reports are and obviously people will be listening to this throughout the week um so um but right now the the news is unofficial but as i've suspected for a little while uh the leafs according to Elliot Friedman, are going to protect eight skaters uh, and the goaltender Jack Campbell, the eight skaters being the top four forwards, Tavares, Neander, Marner, and Matthews, the four, four, four defensemen, Riley, Muzzin, Brody, and Justin Hall. I know that some people were disputing whether they should protect Hall, and I, I keep going back to them. It's like he's a right-hand D on the second pairing, and he's making two million bucks. If you don't think that Seattle is going to pick him, you're high. So um, that this means now that Alex Kerfoot is exposed, tra- uh, Travis Dermott would be exposed, and the newly acquired Jared McCann will be exposed, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But this is the this was the I think the wisest course of action for the Leafs because unless they had a side deal, they really couldn't uh, could not, not protect Hall. They need, they, yeah, he's one of their top four defensemen. I mean, some people, you know, think that's a weakness on their, on their blue line. I don't particularly think so, but they can afford to lose a forward like a Kerfoot. And in terms of cap space, um, they, uh, you know, they, they would help them in terms of clearing cap space to sign somebody else. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to get hurt like every other team, but not wound them uh significantly that's the
0: whole point of an expansion draft a new team comes in it gets an opportunity to take maybe not the best of the organizations that exist but um, some of the pieces that a lot of those organizations covet but can't hold on to because you know um, there's a thing called (laughs) fairness uh, in uh, professional sports when a new team comes on board and then contractually it's just not possible on Justin Hall. Uh, any any critic of his is short-sighted. This guy did what he had to do last season. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I feel like a guy like that um, hasn't even come into his own yet. Will he be a superstar? No. But you don't need uh, you know you don't need him to be a superstar. You need him to play effective hockey, um, be smart, be responsible, uh, su- support the guys who have a little bit more start uh, start him in their game and uh, he did just that. and I like the fact that they did hang on to him and protect him because um, he will be a vital piece to what this team is trying to do, especially on a uh, blue line that um, didn't leave too much to be desired last season. So let's just keep on going with that. The Jared McCann acquisition very interesting in that um, with the possibility of losing Alex Kerfoot, you have a guy who can take his place. Um, only 25 years of age really hasn't even come into his own yet. And uh, the metrics on him are, um, you know, not overwhelmingly great, uh, but do suggest that, uh, he's, he's a player who is quite effective and would fit in quite nicely on a, on a team like the Maple Leafs that really does need to be, uh, focused on having a sort of a two-way approach a you know, all three zone, 200 foot, uh, type of game.
1: Well, it's funny because my initial response to the trade, I mean, first of all, you know, they gave up Philip Hallander in a seventh round pick and Philip Hallander uh, was somebody they got uh, in the Casper uh, Kapanen deal. So he's just flipped back to, to Pittsburgh. Um, Pittsburgh knew that they were going to lose McCann. They weren't going to protect him. They probably knew that they were going to lose them in the expansion draft. So they better to get something than, than nothing at all. The Leafs, they're exposing them, but I think they feel relatively safe that Kerfoot or Dermott will be the selection of the Kraken, either Dermott, who uh, was under Dave Haxtell um, uh, last season, because Hackstall handed the defense, or Kerfoot, who under two years at $3.5 million and, you know, a, most of that's been already paid in signing bonus, so that would be attractive to to Seattle, just starting out. McCann could be the Kerfoot replacement because he can play wing and center, mm-hmm. or he could be the Hyman replacement because uh, you know, uh, I think all all things indicate that Hyman is gone because Hyman apparently is drawing offers of six million dollars per on five or six year deals. And even if the Leafs extended it out to eight, that would be, say, four and a half million on an eight-year deal. And I don't think that they want to go eight years on a 29-year-old forward. So... It's, you know, I mean, I, like I said, I don't begrudge Zach Hyman anything. He's been basically underpaid the last four years, making two and a quarter. Uh, he's a great guy. He's a he's a really good teammate. He plays in an essential role, and he'll do that wherever he goes, but they simply just can't afford. He benefited from playing with either Tavares or Matthews. He's put up good offensive numbers, and he's going to hit the jackpot. And I, I don't, like I said, I don't begrudge him that, but the Leafs have to respond to that. And McCann, or Kerfoot, whoever doesn't get selected, or if, if it's Dermot, then both of them, and then and then maybe Kerfoot gets traded, will be a replacement for one of those forwards. And my my suspicion here, Norm, is that. Um, if they lose Kerfoot, you're probably going to see Nick Felino resign. At least they'll try. I think. I don't think he wants to go back to Columbus because Columbus is a rebuilding scenario, and I think on a two- or three-year deal, they can get Felino to come back. So that may be where they go. So
0: we have the expansion draft on Wednesday. Uh, the NHL entry draft follows that, and then obviously free agency opens up towards the end of the month. Um at least from the least perspective wh- whomever the crack can take it'll be anticlimactic because we just have a feeling it's going to be someone like Alex Kerfoot and Travis Dermott if he's selected right. big deal it's been nice knowing him we thought he would turn out to be better it just didn't work out um, the way that fans had hoped uh, the organization had uh, forecasted and I'm sure Travis Dermott uh, deep down probably thinks a uh, change of scenery Will benefit his game. So it's it's not like we're, we're waiting with bated breath to see what the crack can do. And if they take a, a, a player uh, that the Leafs have left exposed, the organization has to, you know, go into emergency mode. Right. That all of that considered, you know, as we pound forward through the draft and, you know, it's not like the Leafs have a, a petri dish of opportunity uh, there, at least right now. We have to think of what's going to be happening with, the, with a, a signing period and, you know, free agency and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, taking into consideration where we are at this point and where the the Leafs are trying to get to, uh, what are you thinking that way?
1: Well, in regards to Hyman, and I know that earlier in the week uh, the Leafs gave his agent Todd Reynolds the uh, the go ahead yep. to talk to other teams. Um, likely to see if a, a deal for his negotiating rights can be facilitated. Now we saw that yesterday. We saw that on Saturday, right before the the deadline with uh, Barkley Goudreau being traded from Tampa Bay to the Rangers and the Rangers got a seventh round or the, uh, lightning got a seventh round pick. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can, unless the, um, unless the, uh, the bidding war is really hot and heavy. I don't think you're getting players for Zach Hyman's rights. I think you're probably getting a, maybe a fourth-round pick or something like that, which, you know, I mean, it better something than nothing sure. if he just walks away on July 28th. But – um, I, I don't think you know these pipe dreams of them getting players back for Zach Hyman's rights or sign and trades, which you know I, I don't understand. It, sign and trades happen in the NBA; they don't happen in the NHL. Um, you know, it may, maybe it would happen with somebody like uh, a Tavares or a Jack. Yeah. if they're a free agent, a free agents, but the contract
0: not... has to be significant,
1: right? Right, and. So it's, that's not happening. So they'll get a draft pick for trading his rights more than likely. Um, uh, As for the goaltending situation, they didn't grant the rights to Freddie Anderson, which tells you that there's still an outside chance that they bring him back. But the, here's, here's where I, I, I just, I just, I look at this situation and say, Freddie's gone. I don't see in this market, even though there are a number of goaltenders that potentially could be available, that Freddie Anderson is going to take significantly less, mm-hmm. than say a couple million dollars or a million and a half. I don't see him taking three or three and a half million on a on a one year or two year deal from the Leafs, and that's where I I think they're slotting their second goaltender. They, I think they want to go with a tandem. I think you know they're paying uh, Jack Campbell. I think one six. I think they want to spend maybe a couple million or up to three at most on a goaltender.
0: So Joseph Wall isn't going to be like the guy.
1: Well, I, you know, the thing is I like Joseph Wall as a prospect. He's a couple years away, and the last couple of years have really screwed up the development of a number of, of people throughout of the league. But he'll get, a, he'll get an opportunity this year to play, I'd say, 40 to 50 games in the American Hockey League. Uh, but but in terms of the NHL I, I look at the one scenario that I wrote about yesterday that's Braden Holtby if Holtby is selected by Seattle he could be flipped uh to the Leafs um that and there was a report out of uh, the from the athletic out of Vancouver that one Eastern Conference team had uh contacted uh the Vancouver Canucks about Holtby and Seattle uh, Asked them about Holby if they would retain salary. If you know if he's if he's a two two and a half million dollar cap hit, then then that's for a year. Then that that's a good stopgap. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need I think they need somebody. And the other name that was out there is Darcy Kemper from Arizona, but I don't know about that situation because Arizona traded Aiden Hill to San Jose yesterday, and right now they uh, other than Kemper they don't have a goalie in the organization. Now they could go out and sign somebody, but. I mean, you know, I, I I don't know how much Arizona is willing to strip it down to the wood. Uh, they're, they're a pathetic organization, but, I, you know, they, they need a goalie. So, I mean, they need somebody between the pipes. You know, unless they're going to get a sumo wrestler or something like that, it's going to be Darcy Kemper unless they make a trade for another goalie.
0: So are you saying at this point it's still too difficult to forecast exactly – you know, what you want to do until the Kraken make their picks. And then, you know, even beyond that, they may pick players that will be involved with in trades or some sort of a transaction.
1: Especially with the goaltenders because, you know, obviously they need two goalies uh, to get through the season. Um, so, you know, I've heard Chris Dreger from uh, Florida is one of the options. Mm-hmm. and the thing that puzzles me about that is you know he's a he's a UFA. so why would they take him in the expansion draft instead of just waiting another week and signing him? but maybe they they have an agreement already in place and they can they know that they want to get him in the fold. um I would just have to touch on this because everybody's talking about it because Kerry price, um has, yeah for sure we're gonna get to that. has been exposed. Um, there's no chance in hell, and I, maybe I'll look like a fool a couple days from now if they do take him. There's no chance in hell that they're taking Carey Price. There's no way in hell they're taking him. He's a that that contract as good as he, you know, he was good in the playoffs. He was not fantastic in the playoffs, and that contract with five years left at ten point five million dollars is an absolute friggin' boat anchor. So Seattle would be doing Montreal a favor taking that off their books. So, but I do, I think it's, I don't think they would have exposed them if there wasn't some sort of side deal out there. So, um, you know, I, I don't think Carey Price is going to end up in Seattle, uh, but you know, they're going to, they're going to pick two goaltenders and then maybe they pick two more and they'll probably flip those goalies to other teams for assets. And I would not be surprised based on the relationship between Ron Fan- Francis and Kyle Dubas going back to the Sioux that uh, you know, that there's some sort of, Arrangement or some connection that there might be a deal. And by the way, Jared McCann played three years in the Sioux, so the Sioux connection continues. Yeah, uh, old guys fly fishing.
0: Ian Scott is our future.
1: If um, he could stay healthy, I'd say maybe. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the that's the problem. He's been he's been he played one game last year, one. So I mean, that's you know. That's a and then he missed almost all of the previous year with I think it was hip hip surgery. So he's missed two years. He's 22 years old and he's played what three games in the last two years. That's you know that's I mean I hope that the development uh, train continues but he's more than likely gonna play major minutes down at the ECHL with uh, with Newfoundland. And while, while uh, Wall plays with the Marlies, and they have a couple of veteran goaltenders and uh, Michael Hutchinson and uh, uh, Eric Colgren, who they signed out Mike, of. Mike,
0: you said it. Yeah. The last couple of years with COVID and the restructuring of leagues, the cancellation of leagues, postponement of leagues, a lot of these cats haven't had a chance to develop the way um, their predecessors had and the way they should be able to develop leading into a potential – Um, top-notch professional career. I mean, everything's been um, sidetracked with the pandemic. So, you know, a lot of these dudes that we're we're hoping to, um, you know, make a big step right now, just like everybody else, have been delayed
1: in that process. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, and every team is is dealing with this. I mean, only the top prospects who may have benefited from being around the NHL clubs Or, uh, you know, 19 year olds like Nick Robertson playing in the American Hockey League may have benefited from playing against pros at an earlier age. But really this the last couple of years is probably going to have an effect of stunting the growth of a a large number of players. Now, the one thing I and and we'll talk about this more next week as we get on the doorstep of free agency, Mm -hmm. but. I would suspect the Leafs are going to repeat what they did last year in terms of adding three or four veterans on low contract. Now, they, I, I believe they're going to go after Felino. Felino, they're going to have to spend money on, because, but Felino, um, even though he's 30, 32, or 32 or 33 years old, can fill some of the role that Hyman. They lose with Hyman. Okay. Uh, so I, I think they'll bring back Felino. If they, you know, move out the salary of a Kerfoot, the Felino would come in and replace that, that salary. But I do think like they added Thornton and uh, VC and Bogosian. I mean, I think they may bring Bogosian back, but I think there are veterans out there um, that they'll try to attract and bring back on lower salaries and, you know, see if that formula works this time around. I, you know, I, I don't know. I can't specify, speci- you know, who I have a suspicion on, you know, maybe Tyler Bozak um, if, you know, as, as potentially a third line center um, if, if he's willing to take uh, a lower amount um but supposedly he wants to stay in St. Louis. But there, you know, I think they could bring back Bogosian on a, on a one-year deal. But there, you know, there are other free agents out there who might think, okay, I'll go to Toronto. I'll benefit from being on Hockey Night in Canada every Saturday night. I may be able to trip. I can play with Matthews and Marner and, and pad my stats, and then go out and sell my sell my wares on free, free agency. That is going to be the the pitch. That Kyle Dubis makes. I think he'll try to make some deals. I mean, I've heard you know Connor Garland from Arizona. I've heard uh, a couple of other scenarios, but I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, they're limited in terms of what they can do on the cap. And if they don't go against everything that they've said so far, which is moving one of the big four forwards out, then yes. they're going to they're gonna be sort of nickel and diming it in terms of uh, bringing in players. So you're telling me that you're not getting the name Landeskog? Oh, pressed please.
0: on the back of your Leafs jersey,
1: please. I mean, yeah, okay. The only way, and I, I said this online, the only way that bringing in Gabriel Landeskog, who's a great player, he's 28 years old, the only way that makes sense financially or otherwise is is you're trading Neilander, and then it'll be a Neilander for Landeskog swap. You would sign Landeskog, you would trade Neilander, and you would getting a uh, young ass for Swede. Come on. Yeah. Right. But the difference is uh, one is 24. The other is 28. I mean that, I mean, it's not realistic. I don't, I don't, I don't think Landis, Landis is leaving Colorado. And if he does, I don't think it's for Toronto because he would have to take significantly less than he'd get. So why
0: the- are, why are these rumors out there? Who, who's propagating uh, this idea?
1: Why? Where are the rumors being floated? When Toronto works. the center of the hockey universe where if you if a rumor is tied to the Leafs everybody every everybody in the hockey world knows it these agents want the names of their clients out there they'll attach them to, to Toronto even though Toronto likely has no interest or has no ability yeah. to find them I mean okay the Taylor Hall rumors give me a friggin break I mean, it's not they weren't they aren't realistic. Mm-hmm. Taylor Hall. I mean, what might be happening is Boston is trying to get Taylor Hall for a little less, and maybe his agent floated it out there in the Toronto ether, and now all of a sudden, oh, they might go to Toronto. Oh, we better pony up another half mil. I mean, that's that's the way it works. Everything gets connected to Toronto, and I, I love how some report. Wow, not, not everything has to do with Toronto. Well, tell the agents that because the yeah. agents are probably the ones floating the stuff.
0: Yeah, it's remarkable. <laughs> it really is. And, uh, you know, fans who believe themselves to be astute, pushing these kinds of rumors out there, um, are clearly doing it for attention because the, um, the, the the process and the possibility are, you know, difficult and limited. Um you know, in terms of seeing something like that come to fruition, and then again, you know, the the same people who wanted Gabriel Landeskog to come and join the Maple Leafs are the same ones who think that you know uh, William Nylander is your forever uh, Maple Leaf. Well, but he would be the he would be the guy easiest to move, easiest to move uh, in order to make room for right. someone like. Landeskog. So
1: and 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 the salaries might be comparable. So that's why I would you know it's like you're not okay. You're not moving Marner at almost eleven million because, okay, you're not going to get you're not going to get full value for him. You're going to get full value for Nylander, uh, because he's seven million dollars and because mo- his bonus has already been paid and the the it, the the deal was front loaded. You're not going to get fair value for Marner. You're not going to get what you're giving out. What, if you traded Marner, uh, just one thing in the, in the, in the chat here, a guy, old guys fly fishing. This mm-hmm. is uh, thing mm-hmm. here says that I'm hearing Felino won't be back. <clears throat> okay. He's, he's okay. He's ear he's, he's to the ground. He's in the, he's well, in the uh, pipeline. I'll take, I'll take him at his word that he's heard something. This is what I, this is, this is what I've heard. Um, Initially when Felino was traded from Columbus to the Leafs, the intention was he was going to be here yeah, for a year. back, right? He's going back. In the interim, Tortorella left, uh, Zach Jones, uh, Zach, Zach uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Um, they're, you know, Things they're, have changed. Things have right. changed. It's Seth, not the same Seth, scenario yeah. that he left. Seth Jones and Zach, I mean, Zach Wierenski is one year away from unrestricted free agency. Uh, Seth Jones is asked to be traded. He said he's not going to sign in Columbus. So clearly they're going down the rebuild path. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Felino's family is there, um, but I think he, at his point in his career, knows he's not going to win a Stanley Cup if he goes back to Columbus. So um, I think that Toronto has as good a chance. Now, if there's a bidding war for Felino, then, you know, the, the Leafs can't really get involved. But if he wants to come back and they pay him a fair salary, I think he could be back. And obviously, he's going to play, um, if Hyman leaves, which I expect, he's going to play on the top two lines. So it could be Nick Felino and Jared McCann. It could be mm-hmm. Nick, you know, and Nick Robertson, you know, what we'll, we'll see, but I think there's a good chance, not a guarantee, but a good chance Felino is back in blue and white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Felino potentially McCann, that's a, you know,
0: a youthful addition, maybe long-term an upgrade over, over Alex Kerfoot who well, they have- played really well.
1: They have options, Norman. That's the thing about, I mean, McCann can play left wing and play center. I talked to uh, Brian Metzer, who covers the Penguins, uh, does uh, the radio broadcast, a good buddy of mine, and he uh, gave me the lowdown on uh, on McCann. He said McCann played center for them uh, while Malkin was hurt, played second Mm -hmm. line center, scored pretty well. Then Mm -hmm. Malkin came back. They traded for Jeff Carter, and then he moved from – Center to the wing, he had a, uh, he had uh, some issues later on in the year in terms of consistency of scoring, but you know, I mean, he averaged out to 26 goals in an 82 game season. He scored, averaged out to 20 goals, uh, and uh, you know, put up double figures in goals. Um, you know, so I think that he. You know he's a pretty good ad and gives them some versatility. And just to follow up on old guy here, he says the Filino, the Felino thing came from Friedman. Well, I mean, Friedman said also that there's a chance there's a chance he could come back. So there's there's conflicting information. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm just saying what I heard and um, with the situation in Columbus. Mm-hmm. That and this is, you know, it might have been based on what whether the Leafs signed Hyman or not. Clearly, they're not, so they're going to have a, have a gap on the left side, and Felino could fill that. Yeah,
0: Elliot Friedman is as legit, yes, a hockey insider analyst as you're going to get ever, but that doesn't mean he's right all the time. And he, I, I he, he's not one of these guys, I believe, who has a, an affiliation within certain organizations or you know uh, uh, either tempers information or um, contorts information you know based on you know what needs to be heard that day and and how it uh, it may affect either positively or negatively uh you know a particular group of hockey people this guy's as as straight and narrow as it gets uh, that doesn't mean he's it doesn't mean he's right all the time and right. again you're He's, he's, he' he can't penetrate every single um, facade uh, that is put up in front of him. So uh, sometimes he has to speculate and he goes with his gut and he's not exactly right. So you know give him benefit of the doubt, but at the end of the day, I mean he's just doing a job like any other in that position and trying to you know set, set a bit of a, a scene, uh, a little bit of an expectation. But you know whether he's right or he's wrong in this circumstance doesn't make that big a deal because at the end of the day, Mike, what we're talking about in terms of alterations to the Maple Leafs right now just aren't—they're not impact. They just don't uh, suggest impact. These right. are things that are going to be done to uh, you know subtly improve the team to add players in the position uh, where there has been a subtraction, and that's basically about it. So let's not lose our minds over whether you know someone's available or someone's not. Um, because the, the the names we're talking about at this point, the players that we're suggesting may may come in or may leave just aren't of of any major impact uh collectively sure they it you know it will amount to something
1: well but, you know, um, I can't,
0: I'm not gonna lose my mind over
1: this all right. Uh, Chris Johnston just uh, tweeted yeah. okay. out uh, official as we mentioned the four, Four forwards, four defensemen, and the goalie. So, um, the so the available guys uh, for Seattle are Kerfoot, McCann, Dermott, Adam Brooks, Pierre Engvall, Wayne Simmons, and Jason Spezza. Um, I think it's going to be Kerfoot or Dermott. Um, if it's McCann, somebody somebody put it this way: if it's McCann, then the Leafs lost essentially Philip Hallander in the expansion draft because McCann was never. Part of the team, really. It was just a three-day yeah. transaction. So, I mean, we'll see. But I, I don't think any of those losses are uh, wounding at all.
0: Yeah, and, and that's and that's what I'm getting at. What do you think the core of the idea will be for the Kraken in terms of building this initial team?
1: I don't think that they're going to take a lot of players with money. Um, they have to take. Uh, they have to fill sixty percent of. Uh, the $81.5 million cap uh, in the expansion draft, so that means around $50 million bucks. So they will take some salaried players. That's why I think a guy like Kerfoot uh, makes sense. He's a $3.5 million cap hit. The bonus has been paid already, 750 k in real money. Um, he's 26, I believe, um, has only two years left in the deal. So that might be attractive to Seattle, but they have to, they have to take on some money, but it won't be carry price. Let me just say that. Um, but, um, so I think, but I think that they're going to, unlike Vegas, I think this is going to be a true expansion team where. Um, they're not going to be able to t- take the advantage of the situation like they like Vegas did, where they got two for the price of one from teams like Florida or Minnesota, getting Alex Tuck and Riley Smith and Marsha So and William Carlson. They'll get players, but they're not going to get extra players. Vegas teams. went
0: to the final in its first year. I know,
1: and that's not and you that's, know get, is right right. No, it's but it's a miracle. I mean, everything, everything fell into place and that's, it just, I mean, if that's not going to happen again. So, but you know, Seattle's going to be more traditional in terms of the rebuild. They're going to take some young players. They're going to have some growing pains, but you know, they're, 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 they're going to get some good players and Ron Francis knows what he's doing. So uh, I, I think it'll be an interesting exercise to see what they get.
0: Uh, just on to price again, Will 85, he could be the next flurry face of the franchise It just Based on Price. the contract and where Carey is in his career.
1: I don't think that Mark Bergevin exposed Kerry Price without knowing that uh, they weren't going to take him. And they're not going to take him. It's five, mil- five years at $10.5 million. And he's a 32 year old goaltender and he's not going to go anywhere but down. Why would you do that? Why would you saddle your team with one eighth of their salary cap on a goalie who's going to decline? Honestly, Ron Francis is nuts if he does it. But I don't think that they, I don't think Bergevin would have done it unless uh, he had an idea, unless there's some sort of side deal there. Maybe it's like take this guy off our roster and we'll trade you Jake Allen or take, you know, what is some, something like that. They have a lot of extra draft. Yeah. Picks. Maybe, you know, maybe they're going to trade two or three of their extra draft picks to not take Carey price. Something. Ron
0: Francis is a hockey guy. He's not the greatest showman. He doesn't want to build a carnival in Seattle. He wants to build a champion bringing in a Carey price would be, uh, it would be a huge move. And, you know, you would have to oversell it to a gullible fan base that actually is not very knowledgeable. Hey, here's the superstar, and you know, in the not so twilight of his career, help us. He's going to help us sell tickets and stuff like that. It's an interesting story. It Would be an interesting concept, but Carey Price makes too much money, and um, you know, I'm, I'm wondering among Hab fans, we don't have too too many uh, who frequent the Leafs convo. Mm. Very tribal they are, uh, just like Leafs fans are. But I, I'm wondering if, from that, you know, core group of fans who are probably believing a little bit more now that the team went to the Stanley Cup Finals the way it did, uh, that you know, Carey Price is this iconic player who started his career in Montreal and who should finish it there. And we, we understand the sentimentality reeks uh, heavy in Montreal beyond any other franchise uh, and any other market. We know that. So, you know, with Carey Price, whether he's making a dime or he's making 10, 15 million a year, it's feel like he's still the heart and soul of that organization. And I don't know how much um, they'd, they'd want to lose him.
1: Well, if you t- would have told me two weeks ago that both Shea Weber and Carey Price were not going to be protected in the expansion draft, I mean, it's it's strange how things unfold. Mm-hmm. But again, I I don't I don't know who I, I haven't looked at Montreal's uh, protected list yet, but and I don't know who uh, other than Price that they would take. But there, it's going to be somebody other than Price. Just I, a couple a couple things before we go. Yep. OG's
0: converse. Thanks for being a part of it. We're getting into too much of the. The chat, but you guys have at it. And then this chat lives on on the YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash the Leafs combo. If you're watching us after the fact, just hit the like button. Maybe subscribe to the podcast too. We we keep on going. And then uh, this content is on every one of your favorite podcast platforms too. Spencer Carberry and Dean Chenoweth, assistant coaches. Mm -hmm. So in line with other things happening that are a little bit more connected to the ice itself. Yeah, nothing big, just nickel and diming it. But not. I don't mean that these moves mean nothing. It's just yeah. you know housekeeping and and, and you know, f- filling holes. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm sure down the line uh, we'll look at some of these moves, some of these signings, some of these additions, and say, hey, you know what? Um, there was a reason
1: behind them. Well, Chanel has a really good reputation, um, in the league. He was three years, I believe as assistant coach in Carolina coaching their defense and their defense is very good. So, I mean, they have talent there, but you know, I, I think that's a good hire to replace Hackstall as the blue line coach. I don't know much about Carberry. Um, I do know that he won a- a- AHL coach of the year, uh, last year with the limited amount of games that the AHL played. Um, you know, the funny thing was, if the uh, the press release that was put out announcing his hiring, mm-hmm. they mentioned Manny Malhotra and Dean Chinouth. Uh They didn't mention Paul McClain, and I was a little surprised that they were adding another assistant coach. Now, maybe you know Paul McClain's just going to be the eye in the sky, and they're just adding another another young coach. And I've heard a lot of good things from reports about Carberry, but I, I, you know, it was. Uh, it was interesting that Paul McClain was not included as being mentioned as part of the release. So is it possible that he may be retiring or not coming back? I don't know. There has not been any mention of that, but um, I do think that the Leafs are maybe trying to, you know, adopt some new or different philosophies after the failures of the last few years. Um, I do know that, um, you know, there was a hue and cry for, Manny Malhotra not, to not be back, and I reiterated this after the playoffs, The this is the same coach that coached the Leafs' power play to an almost 40% effectiveness at the beginning of the year, and then they were terrible. In the, <laughs> it wasn't in the, his fault. right? Hey, it's like it it, it's the play. he's setting up the structure. Whose responsibility is it? It's the players on the frickin' ice that's what it is. that's who it is
0: yeah I I agree uh, we'll, we'll head out with uh, MK Ultra where are we here he says the Leafs are doomed are, there's, there's an like again and I, I just real quick and I'll let you finish it up. So when the Leafs lost in game seven to the Habs we were all feeling like shit mm-hmm. and you know questioning whether we should be fans of this team anymore. Wondering how a team with uh, that kind of assembly of talent can, you know, fall apart in three opportunities to to close out a rival that was at least on a talent level inferior. But as time has gone on, I've I've let it go. Uh, Am I happy with the organization? No. Am I optimistic that uh, a championship uh, lies in the near future for this organization? No. But we have to move on how no matter how I'm feeling about this this team and, and the way it had operated and you know way it may operate in the future, I do not think it is doomed I no. mean, that is that is a very dire and fatalistic view of an organization that was one of the best in the league and had an opportunity to go to the the second round um, four games into a series they just couldn't get over the hump. that to me does not spell doom. That to me tells me that there are some psychological issues with this organization and it, you know, has to keep on pushing forward. But with the way that the talent, um, you know, is still, uh, the you know, uh, principally set up on this team, I would not say that it's doomed. Last word to you.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a bit over the top, MK. Um, I just, I, I think, you know, obviously I understand that point of view based on the fact that, you know, uh, Leafs Nation has I mean there's been more discontent about the Leafs and their you know the the way that they are uh after the loss to Montreal because Leaf fans hate Montreal. They know a bunch of Montreal fans and they'll be taking crap from them yeah. until they play them again in the playoffs. And I mean, just 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 look at the reaction, you know, and he's my buddy, just look at the reaction of a guy like Steve Dangle. He's bitter. He's pissed off at what's going on with the Leafs because they keep, you know, it's the sort of the here's the carrot. Oh, they're a good team. They won the North Division. And then all of a sudden, you know, they lose in seven games to the team that had the worst record going into the playoffs. So I understand it. But I'm telling you right now, um, there's talent on this team. They have to eventually find a way through. Uh, I know that Lee fans won't accept that because they'll think it's basically Murphy's law that they'll just, they'll find a way to rip their heart out again. I I get it, but we'll see.
0: But doomed. Doomed. Yeah, doomed. Sabres,
1: the Buffalo Sabres are doomed. You know, that's, that's, that's doomed. That's 31st place three times, I believe, in the last six years. That's doomed. Do you want that? That's doomed. Yeah. You, are you telling me
0: that there has not been one point during your fandom, mm-hmm. during your um, your your life yes. in wonderful Buffalo, yes, that you were not at least tempted to shift allegiances to, oh, to uh, no. from your from pleasure. a Leaf team that was that seemed doomed okay. to a Sabers team that
1: looked to be on the precipice of something when. I was eight years old. I liked the French connection. You know, they went... Who who didn't? Yeah, exactly. But when you're eight years old, I think you don't have a, like, a rock hard allegiance to a team. You just like the game. You just like the, and you know, the Sabre, that was when the Sabres made the Stanley cup final in 75. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I liked it, but then when it got down to me deciding on which team I was going to root for, my older brother was a Leaf Mm -hmm. fan. So that was the team I gravitated towards. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I will blame him for my early demise when I die of a heart attack, because I, of all the games that I've watched the Leafs lose over my, over my, my, my uh, 54 years. Um, but now, you know, being a reporter, I can't be that much of the fan as I used to be. But, yeah, I mean, no, I, I've, I've never been tempted. And as a fan of one team, I despise the other 30. So I, I, I've, I've never been infected with that disease.
0: Uh, I was so tribal for so long, Mike, for so long. I remember over times where I was in front of the television on my hands and knees praying to god the other team didn't score and when they did it was just dejected and empty and near tears and when the leafs would win the entire building that i was living in at the time would know it i don't know if it's me um over time becoming a little more jaded by everything obviously more focused on uh, on a different career outside of broadcast and my family and ex- realizing that the Leafs have major hurdles to overcome before I can reinvest everything in me uh, with the total belief that the opportunity is there. I don't know what it is, but I, I just don't feel, um, you know, as deeply about the Maple Leafs and uh, deeply against their uh, opponents as I once did. I, I am a bit concerned about that because it's more of a bland approach um, to what I'm watching, and it's more surgical, more clinical. It may have come from the fact that i worked in broadcasting for so long, um, but I would, I want to get it. I want to get some of that back, but I have to feel like the the team that I'm watching is uh, is giving me real hope and not just uh, you know smoke and mirrors night in and night out. So. You know, this is all the process what, that we're involved in right now in, in watching this team tweak and, and make subtle improvements and just take it step by step. And those who say that they hate being Leaf fans or this is punishment and torture, right now shouldn't be anything. It should be an opportunity to take a deep breath and watch how this team evolves going forward. It is not doomed. I'll tell you that for sure. For Mike, I'm Norm. We'll see you later.